Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Grandstand cricket with a splendid innings for New Zealand, but they are all out for 372. Another test is done and dusted. Now it's time for some post-match parlay with Jeff Lemon and Adam Collins. The final word with ABC Grandstand. Final word, Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon back with you for another week from the ABC studios in South Bank in Melbourne. Jeff, how are you feeling? It's been a tumultuous weekend for the for the planet and it's been a significant weekend on the cricket field as always but I just want to just get that's want to hear you feeling on a Monday morning I, I just I just want to feel okay I just want to sit inside this little booth not think about anything that's happening outside it and I just want to talk about Glenn Maxwell for say 60 minutes just yeah, straight yeah it's a fair, actually that's the thing that did make my weekend feel considerably better it was the, it was the afternoon of Glenn Maxwell chaos yesterday it could have been a lot better too had he got sent in ahead of Travis Head, but it was still, you know, let's not be worried about it ending. Let's be happy that it happened. It was a, mm-hmm. it was explosive. It was, it was innovative. It was, it was daft. It was brilliant. It was gorgeous. It was switch hits where you swap your hands, switch hits where you don't. You know, who cares? Just yeah. make it up as you go along. How about that switch hit he did when he, he actually changed stance to yeah. probably mad? It, it, it was letting the ball go. He hadn't even got into his... He was basically at the top of his run and Maxwell's yeah. like already changed. By the way, him. I'm left-handed By now. the way, I'm, and, then, and then he still bowled him a full bunger and popped him into the ladies' stand, if memory serves me correctly. Yeah, was, and he's, he, there was a great little post-match uh, interview there where Maxwell's like, I, I was just trying to get 30 metres on it to make sure it cleared, you know, short, fine leg. Um, and they're like, yeah, but you hit it into the stand. And he goes, yeah, well, you need some margin for error. Um, like, <laughs> You've you got to make sure you go hard at it. It's over the fence. Um, but what I liked is it, like he got a little bit stroppy as well when he was being sort of done on the TV after the game and they were like, oh, it was party time out there. You were just having a ball. And he's like, no, 
I work really hard on that stuff. I practice all that stuff all the time. He's like, I practice the start of my innings a lot, and then I practice those shots. And he's like, he was getting quite, you know, antsy about it. He's like, it's yeah. not an accident. I didn't just go out there and whoops, happened to reverse what a six. Oh, I noticed that as well. And the other thing, the point he made about he likes to chip the infield. Like you don't think of it that way when you're watching. It. You think that's kind of a. A lucky shot. Or yeah, like yeah, it, it's it's something that doesn't befit getting too into. But he, yeah, he obviously is determined mm. to play a game that, that's in keeping with that sort of theme. So yeah, I, and also the other comedy made in that interview about he's not strong enough to hit sixes. I thought that was quite good. Well, yeah, obviously, yeah, he's not strong as strong as some of the others. I think he said. Yeah, he Chris like, Lynn and, and uh, yeah. Chris Lynn and Aaron Finch. I think he cited, didn't he? And it, but the point is, is that in his own mind, he he has to hit the boundary more than hit over the boundary, and that was partly what we saw in his innings of, I think it was mm. 78 yesterday, he hit the, the one big six with the reverse yep. swat. So I think that was more the switch hit, actually. But the rest of the boundaries were bladdered straight down the ground. I mean, the way he, the way he hit that. Yorker, that Yorker, yeah. that straight drive, like perfect Yorker, absolutely on his toes. And he somehow got his legs out of the way and then swung through it and clobbered it, collected it dead straight past the non-striker stumps before. Yeah, and there was another one of that as well where he backed away to leg to try and make room for himself. It was a, it was a Yorker a foot and a half outside the off stump right on the crease line and he managed to have enough resourcefulness to, to change his bottom hand and still time it beautifully through point. I mean, no mm-hmm. one can really do that in world cricket apart from Glenn Maxwell. So what are we doing today? We're going to catch up on those one-day games. We're yep. going to talk about the Big Bash. We're going to talk about the women's Big Bash. We're uh, going to talk about the AB medal. AB medal. Um, so yep. We're going to talk about the New Zealand squad that's been named. We're probably mm-hmm. not going to talk about that, actually. Well, we'll just tell you now right. that Aaron Finch is going. So maybe that's the that's, only That's really know, much the only point of interest, isn't that, it? Really, it's isn't basically it, so. the same squad, but, aside from. But, but on the whole, you, I think you've pretty much know what we're, we're going to talk about today. Jeff, Excellent. Why don't we start with the one-day in Perth that occurred late last week, Thursday last week. So uh, Australia were forced to bowl first on, on that occasion after having uh, after having lost the toss, I assume. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't actually see the toss of the coin. No, actually, they won the toss and popped Pakistan in, um, the scorecard tells me here. But um, but that's the first time they bowled first in this series. And they did a pretty useful job of it too. They held the Pakistanis to 263. But again, I, I kind of go on about it every every week, I feel like, in this podcast. But Josh Hazelwood is the attack leader. In the absence of Mitchell Stark, who was... Who was rested for this fixture? He took early wickets, took late wickets. He only went for yeah thirty-two off his ten overs. Didn't he take didn't... any wickets in the middle though. Well, I no. think that was an omission. You know, he really <laughs> let himself down there. Well, I, was about to say... I just want consistency, Adam. Just an even spread. Is that too much? To and, ask? And, and no maidens either. From your attack leader, he, he's uh, he's meant to be the guy with all the maidens. Yeah. And what was it? Three for thirty-two? Was it? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. The, the, that's what really tickled me. So thirty-two off his ten overs there. Previous game as well in Melbourne, thirty-two off ten overs, none for thirty-two, uh, and then. The last game, the one, uh, the one last night, our time. Although I don't know when you're listening to this, he went for 32 of his first four overs in that game because Shahjil Khan just went, no, nah, I've had enough of this, and uh, went downtown. Down in Perth, he only went for one boundary across his 10 overs, which is probably as significant uh, in that contribution with the ball. So yeah, Shahjil uh, made 50, and Babar uh, made 84. Significantly, there, Babar became the equal quickest to ever reach a thousand ODI runs in his 21st Test innings. Jeff, I know you're very or well, 21st ODI innings in in terms of innings Sorry. played. Yes, if I can run you through the figures, shares that mark with a couple of others. Quentin the Cook, a thousand and one runs in 21 innings. Uh, Kevin Peterson, a thousand and five. Jonathan Trot, a thousand and twenty-eight. So, so to say three by South Africa, Africa yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, two of whom played for England. Uh, Babar Azam coming in uh, towards the top of that list, a thousand and thirty-seven. And uh, IVA Richards, 1,059. Pretty useful player. Uh, Shahab Malik and Umar Akmal made 39 apiece towards the end. But on the whole, it was Australia's day. Uh, Travis Head took two for 65. I, I note uh, that he, he bowled his full complement mm. of 10 overs. As he did in the next game. Uh, it, uh, I'm forgetting where we played. 
Is it the next Sydney. game was in Sydney, as it he's was. been doing routinely. And this might be a, a, a decent time to ask why the Glenn Maxwell wasn't getting a bowl as well. I mean, this is well, we guy... haven't talked about Glenn Maxwell much today, so let's. Uh... Yeah, well, let's let's stick with the theme early on. Let's mm-hmm. get all of our Maxwell stuff out of the way early, and we can we can we can recover from there. I don't know if that's going to happen, but sure, we'll, we'll try. We'll try. Uh, so, so we'll he... try for you, listeners. And this isn't a Travis Head reflection. Who I should add is bowling really no, he's well, bowled really nicely, especially yeah. against New Zealand. I thought the way he mm. pushed through overs was was particularly impressive, but. Um, Maxwell is a guy who who was the principal spinner mm. in a side that won the World Cup. He um, took one for forty odd in that World Cup final, uh, including the crucial wicket of Martin Guptill. He's bowled a, a double wicket maiden in, mm. the, in the last over of a one day international against Pakistan uh, to, to win to win a game. Yep. So I mean, it's that not as though not as good as guys doesn't have form. He's, yeah. got, he's got about a wicket a game across his 60-odd one-day international. So, I mean, if he's going to be used as a spin option mm-hmm. in India. It was put to me by one that maybe they're trying to rest him before India, but maybe the case of Smith doesn't rate his bowling. Maybe. Um, I mean, you would think, particularly for Court and Bolds, Glenn Maxwell's more likely to take one than, than most others. I, I don't necessarily read too much into this. I think uh, my gut is that maybe they already know what Glenn Maxwell can do with the ball, mm. and they're not worried about that. That's not... Uh, that's not a concern at the moment. They are interested in Travis Head as a bowler. They yep. want to see if they can get him comfortable, get him feeling like a regular part of the of that bowling side. They want to go and win the Champions Trophy in England mid-year. So why wouldn't you use the opportunity to get overs into Travis Head? You don't really need to bowl Glenn Maxwell at this point. If Head's bowling well, back him, get his confidence up as well. Then you've got two options in England. Um, and I guess also that, I mean... Glenn Maxwell, he's had these issues with his batting as well. They maybe just wanted him to concentrate on that and, and make sure that he got that right in this series. And if that's the case, it's worked beautifully because he's been very consistent. That's very measured of you, Jeff. I was expecting a bit of faux outrage from you there. I was almost, con- I, was, I was sort of setting you up, alley-oop, but I thought you'd you know, just dunk it in like Leonard Copeland and not to be. No, just, uh, just drew the foul. Dropped the two points oh, in well. from the free throw line. Andrew Gaze. I don't know enough line. about basketball to do an analogy here. I was going <laughs> to go with it. I was going to go Andrew Gaze and set, up, set it up. And the only thing I know about basketball was like the, the billboard at Eltham Station when I was a kid with Andrew Gaze spinning a glass of water on the top of his finger and it had the catchy slogan, drink more water. <laughs> it's like, thanks, Gazy, looking out for us. Actually, speaking the of hydration re- station. really tall human beings that could have played basketball, Billy Stanlake took his first international wicket, finished with the figures of one for 55, mm-hmm. which I think was a court behind, was it not? Yeah, he drew the edge. Isn't he a weird Malik? rig, Billy Stanlake? I mean, that bowling action is 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 bizarre. He sort of he lopes in sort of giraffe style, and then he does this big split leg sort of draws the two legs together, but the the front leg doesn't really come around the back leg. It sort of closes up with it, like he's doing some sort of gymnastics routine. Um, and then somehow that whole body kind of flops over the top of itself, like collapsing fettuccine, and just wangs the ball down at a pretty good rate. But like. What the bloody hell is his body doing? I don't know. I just can't make sense of it. I'm encouraged that in 2017 we can still have a bloke that looks like that. I mean, you can see him going through the you know, the pathway, yeah. if you like, and, and being told repeatedly that he's not going to make it due to his action, but persisting and, and going with it. And here he is playing for Australia. So good on him. Good on you, Billy. Hopefully we'll see him in uh, in action again in New Zealand soon. We've got Pat Cummins, one for 42. Keep saying it every week, but Pat Cummins is looking better every time he turns out for Australia. He's mm. quick and he's on the money and he's not conceding a four ball on over like he was earlier this summer. He looks uh, you know, ready-made fit for this, this limited oversight for a long time and, and pretty much good to go for test cricket when the time is right. won't be India, mm. but, but later next yeah, year, provided he, he gets some first-class cricket under his belt, his pace and, and his, you know, how comfortable he looks in Australian colours is, is certainly there. He did a fair job in that, in that Sydney run chase. I mean, it was a massive chase and mm. Pakistan were always... 
uh, long odds to get there. But they were looking pretty decent through the middle. They had Hafiz and Shoaib Malik going pretty well. And um, Cummins was just able to turn the screws on Shoaib Malik to the point. He, he and Zampa in tandem just bowled a sort of five or six overs between them where only a couple of runs were coming from each and, and the, the pressure mounted and then suddenly the wicket started to fall. Yeah, Australia had a bit, bit of a job ahead of them in Perth as well. They were two for 45 in the 10th. Um, Muhammad Amir was in tremendous nick. By far the best he's bowled across the summer. It's a shame we haven't seen him at his absolute best, Muhammad Amir, because when, he, when he's going and moving the ball away from the left-hander in particular, he's lethal. He picked up Usman Kumaja in that fashion. So Peter Hanscom came to the crease on debut with Steve Smith. So the two relative lookalikes if you, in, in, in terms of what they look like at the crease when they walk out anyway. Um, it felt to me, Big sniff and little sniff. Yeah, big, yeah, that's right. It felt destined to me that Hanscom would make The sniffle runs. and the sneeze, if you will. We can go with this. You, you want, I'll, I'll just set it up. You, you knock him down, Jeff. I'm happy with this. Um, so Hanscom, uh, Hanscom was, um, uh, you know, given his record at international level, I know the ball's changed from red to white and pink in between for him, but he, uh, mm. he, he felt right. But he did get out on nothing. Uh, he did edge off on nothing and only to be recalled due to a front foot no ball. So um, he was very lucky, but mm. he and Smith combined. And then he was for dropped him. off another no ball as well, which yeah. wasn't called. So he was sort of mock complaining after the game that he missed out on a free hit. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the sort of thing you would say too. He's, 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 he's humorous like that. So they put on 183. Steve Smith made his second ODI summer, ODI t- ton rather of the summer, eight in total. Mm-hmm. You know, he averages 44 and has over 3,000 one-day runs in 79 innings. He's going, yep. he, he's a pretty good one-day player. I mean, I know he obviously, he's the captain and whatever else, but you, he, his one-day cricket probably gets devalued on the basis of what he does at test level, but he's um, he's got a fine record. Well, it's also worth tracking that his one-day career was, um, what's the analogy? I can say outhouse on the ABC rather than the, <laughs> uh, rather than the word that I'm looking for instead. Um, before he, he sort of had that breakthrough moment. Now, obviously it happened in test matches when he made his first 100 at the Oval in 2013. We yep. all know that story. We talk about those stats quite a lot. Since then, averaging 71.24 in tests, 1700s in 39 matches. Similar streak though in one-day cricket, although it took longer because it took him longer to get back into that team. It did, yeah. He didn't get back until October 2014 when he played South Pakistan Africa. in the Emirates. Oh, right. Was that his first um, turn back? Yeah. Did he played that too. Well, that okay. was, and, and that's what he came back. He made 100 against Pakistan in Sharjah made 101 and that was his first ODI 100 since then 53 innings 800s averaging 55.7 yeah that's so that's huge uh, one day numbers really beyond elite really yeah, Virat no, Kohli that, numbers yeah that's right they're, they're the only person in, in world cricket anything like that is, is Virat Kohli I mean you look mm-hmm. even Dhoni Dhoni's considered the, the greatest in, in, in the modern era he averages 51 now, obviously the averages and everything with someone like Dhoni it's his strike rate and what, yep. what the, the, the situations that he's done it in but well his, uh, his average in winning run chases was over 100 yeah. at, until that last game against England where he didn't make too many when they won that that chase a few days or about a week ago now. Just a so, segue. How over a hundred. How good is it that you've and still in the nineties? I just want to just brief mention. How good is it that we've got Yuvraj Singh still batting at number four for India at age forty six or forty seven now? <laughs> That's very comforting. I take something in that. It's hope for all of us. I do love Uvi, and I, lo- I, can't, yeah. I, I can't believe he's still playing for India. I just had years out of the game. He's like raised the Brady bunch in that time. <laughs> he's like you know started a successful import export business. <laughs> you know grew flowers for a while, got into some horticulture shows. Um, you know, now he's finally decided to make you know, wander his way back to cricket. Yeah, I remember thinking that he was absolutely cooked. Remember that T20 World Cup final against Sri Lanka when he couldn't make a run? You know, he ended up with sort of seven off 15 balls or something. And they were just, you know, they 
literally were burning effigies of him because he, he derailed that run chase and, and they were all you know, absolutely furious at this guy who once hit 36 runs off and over mm. from Stuart Broad. Oh, he's too slow. Well, yeah, he had a bad game. But um, you just thought that was it for him and that was 2014, was it? And, and here we are in 17 and he's, uh, he's yeah, back he's amongst still pro- Well, he made 150, 150 <laughs> as, as you do. A lazy 150. And he, um, he, uh, he came here last year for the, for the T20 series against Australia and I just thought that was a bit of a, bit of a junket mm. at the end of his career. I'll go on, mate. Gave yeah. some fun in Australia. Party on for yeah, three yeah. weeks. And... Brad Hodge at the MCG sort of style. Yeah, you know. exactly. On, have a run. Yeah, have a, have, a, have a good time. You know, have a story to tell or two. But uh, no, he, he's well and truly back really have, like Brad Hodge has been bloody hilarious on the on the Big Bash stuff this summer. Like, you know, he's one of the few players that's worth marking up because he always has a good line or, you know, throws something in there when, when they have a chat to him. Got in a lot of trouble last week, Brad Hodge. Yeah, well, it wasn't his 10. fault. Yeah, well, however it happened, he he definitely um, will come to the big bash a bit later on in the sure. show. But he uh, got in some strike, and he may have lost. Well, he his... was just he was just running with the joke. So I mean, they they said, oh, this you know, it was, I think it was Ben Lachlan bowling to Shane Watson, and they said, oh, Ben Lachlan's got Shane Watson out twice in the last eight balls that he's bowled in yeah. big bash cricket or something. So Brad Hodge goes, all right, I'll bring him on then, um, which he dearly did. I think you know he was just having a gag, but it wasn't his. Uh, once they've told you that, you can't not. You can't unknow it. And, What's he supposed to do then? Go, and, oh, well, I won't bowl Ben Lachlan to him for the rest of the game. And CA um, went pretty hard on that. They put out a fairly... They went pretty hard on 10, but I don't think it was the players' fault. Well, they, they said about, you know, that, that, that they all go through this integrity process on an annual basis and that they've, they've missed a step mm. on both fronts, I think. And Hodge, by the way, has been not retained by the strikers for next season, is the, is the news over the weekend. So. Well, I think we knew that already. He, was, he, was, um, he basically indicated it would be his last game. I'm, I'm not sure if that was on his terms or on theirs. And that's in contradiction. And I asked him a week ago at the MCG, and he said he would play next year. So oh, okay. it's, it's, uh, it's up in the air. But we'll, we'll talk more that's about the Big Bash. Later, I promise you, if you're listening in and you're you got a thirst, and you're for hungry, cricket, you got a you got a thirst for teal. Before you're like, we t- tell me about fluorescent pink, migraine orange, <laughs> teal. Isn't that a great sporting colour? Port Adelaide Power. Can, can I say one heat. more one more negative thing about the BBL? Because we'll use positive. Why are they caught the furnace for? And with a hashtag like hashtag the furnace in all the formal mm-hmm. documentation. CA sent a statement out just then saying yep. the furnace is sold out for the semi final. Good on them for selling it out. That's a sensational effort, but. Can't. It's the whacker. And even if you're going to use the furnace, just use the furnace in conventional language. Like, you're not going to get, like, using the hashtag and bringing the two words together, mm. it just looks ridiculous. It's just naff and crass, and it's not going to get you any more hits on Twitter, I wouldn't have thought. And if it does, it, you're not. I, I, no, it's not. I mean, it's a fundamental misunderstanding of social media. You can't click a hashtag in a, in a media statement. Well, Adam, uh, in all I'm sorry, fairness, I'm just a bit. <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, you, look. It's a bit like when uh, a certain popular brand of Australian yeast spread um, released a cheese-related uh, spin-off spread, and they oh, called yes. it something 2.0. Yes, I remember They were like, oh, we're hip with the kids. We understand these terms like CD-ROM. You know? <laughs> so it's, it's like someone trying to get on that. They're like, ooh, hashtags, they're a thing that people use. It's a hyperlink, mate. Like, you, you click on it. It doesn't work on paper, as you yeah, say. Yeah. I suppose it's the furnace when it's full, and it's the Wacker when 2,000 people show up to the last day of a test match. Well, hopefully there'll be a full house at the Wacker next year, because it looks like the um, Perth Stadium next door may not be ready in time. You hear mm. Word on the street seems to be. I don't word know whether it's accurate or not, but a few things you hear, a few things mm-hmm. you read, whatnot, suggests that they might not have doors open That's in time hey. for the first test match, into, been, or second test match, rather. been out and about, a bit of Sammy Newman street talk. Yeah, there, yeah, that's tapping right. Tapping the vibe, finger <laughs> on the <laughs> pulse. <laughs> I'll be down in Frankston. I'm going to talk to Barb from Carlton next week. <laughs>
<laughs> Huggy Bear out on the street, <laughs> tapping into the resources. Um, okay. Well, Sam Newman was a regular fixture of my childhood because I, I grew up in Dandenong, so he'd regularly be at the Dandenong Plaza doing street talk. It pretty much camped out there. He made a point of um, being at the front of the bus shelter there talking to a lot of the people I went to <laughs> school had a little with. dressing room at Frankston Station. Yeah. Pop what, in there and powder his nose. What a show. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, so uh, Australia won in, in Perth, if you're wondering. They won by a long way. Um, they won by... 86 two, runs, I think. In Perth, they batted second, so we conventionally say they won by oh, seven Oh, sorry, I thought you were talking about Sydney again. I keep forgetting where the games have been. Sydney was the second one. Australia batted yesterday, they all Sunday. They in my TV. So. SCG. Well, yeah. like game four in my television was here. Well, well I'm not sure where the game... Four happened on the television for anyone but us, though. I think most people's televisions were watching Roger Federer win in five sets. Yeah. Understandably, to be fair. like I, yeah. I get why people were watching Rog last night. I'll be interested to see the ratings on, on the cricket last night because the, mm. the tennis was, was fascinating. But we watched the cricket because that's what we do for a living, Jeff. Um, and what we saw was we it saw Australia... Like we are sad cases who would be watching it anyway. Probably true. We saw David Warner bring up his 12th one-day 100. He batted uh, with Usman early on, and Usman yeah. was dismissed by Hassan Ali, who bowled quite nicely. But Warner made his first 50 in 35 balls and then was far more conservative thereafter. But um, with Smith especially, who was driving the innings through the middle, uh, he never really looks like getting out. He played very similarly to the way he played, actually, in that 100 he made on in a session at Sydney a few weeks ago uh, in that most of his runs were scored between backward point and extra cover off the back foot almost. Not even really off the back foot. It's almost like that shot he plays through point isn't all the way back in the crease. He's on the balls of his feet and, and is very balanced, and he routinely strikes it with serious timing, and, uh, and that got him the bulk of his uh, 100 runs. He went on to 130. Steve Smith, 49. And then Travis Head and the aforementioned Glenn Maxwell put on 100. Um, Head hit it into the stands four times inside 36 balls, which was uh, which I think he's become the, the new David Warner, if you like, in terms of the old David Warner's um, persona has been taken on by Travis Head, who has the ability to hit the ball into the crowd at Cow Corner as, as good as anyone. Well, David Warner, I think, I'm just looking at the numbers here. I think in about in his last 40 innings, he's made uh, eight hundreds. Wow. In one day international cricket. So, uh, what was it, seven last calendar year plus. So, this in one. his last four so innings. Like, yeah. Well, you compare that to Dean Jones, who played 164 one day internationals and made 700s, and is sort of widely probably considered to be, you know, certainly for a long time, pre Ponting was considered the best one day player Australia had ever produced. Yeah. And to think that he played four times innings. He still thought of that way because he was a bit more of a specialist. You know, he's less known for his test accomplishments, Ponting's test accomplishments. Yeah, not, uh, dwarf his one day stuff. So yeah. people don't really think of him as the one day player as often. Whereas someone who's, you know, I mean, Dean Jones' reputation was forged in one day cricket. At, there's, yeah. there's the Madras 200 and, and so on. But. Um, that's really what people remember it for. Yeah, so um, David Warner's uh, 12, uh, 12th one-day 100, so 130 and 119 balls, 11 fours and two sixes. Travis mm. Head went nuts out at the end. Glenn Maxwell finished with 78 from 44 balls, as he does. And Australia as alluded to earlier. 353 for six across their 50 overs. For Pakistan, on the David real Warner, talking though, point. Yeah, keep going. Or, or do you want to... No, you just keep going. You keep talking about David Warner all day long. I don't 12, 1200s in 90 one-day innings, right? And that's including the start of his career, which wasn't that great. Got took, it. Took him quite a while to click. So eight of them in the last 12 months and a bit, you know, yep. essentially. Uh, 1,290 innings. Gilchrist, so that leaves him fourth on the all-time list. Gilchrist, 16, 
278 innings. Mm. Mark War 18, 236 innings. Both openers as well, again, so they have yep. plenty of opportunity, just like Warner. And Ponting, first drop, 29 in 364 innings. So all of those guys, you know, had well over 200 innings. Warner hasn't even had 100 yet, and he's, you know, I mean, in another year he could be up to sort of Gilchrist Mark War at the rate that he's going now. He's making 100 roughly every seven and a half innings, I think, in my head, um, which is absolutely elite. So Tendulkar's my gold standard, and he was 9.42, I think. Um, And Coley is around seven, and Warner's now, just in the last year, suddenly caught up. So Pakistan, after that... that. Yeah, take that. Yeah, um, I'll, do, uh, I'll do the uh, I'll do the detailed numbers on that. Now. I'm, I've just been scrambling this together in my head in the last couple of minutes, but yeah, I will actually run the the proper numbers on that, and we might drop those into a, a an ABC article or a podcast. That's a very very so. very good idea. The, the David Warner stats deep dive. Uh, so for Pakistan, the main talking point was just how poorly they fielded. I mean. Some days you see a team field poorly, and it's a talking point. Oh, they didn't take a couple of catches. Mm-hmm. This was. Unbelievable! It's Unbelievable. like a, it, it was, compacted, it compounded on itself as the over. It was contagious. On. It was one of those. Yeah. It was one of those disastrous runs. You know, it was like you sometimes see in a game of of uh, any of the football codes. You see a team just kind of fall apart suddenly for for half of the game. Yeah, kicking the a goal. Basic it, usually, usually it's kicking a goal is the thing that a team can catch. Yeah, catch or, or in you know in rugby league, you just get massive cases of the fumbles where you know teams just knock on constantly for twenty minutes and yeah. no one can take a clean uh, take. The hands go all over the place. Look, it was I honestly think it was the worst I've ever seen. I, I don't remember seeing such consistently bad fielding from one side, ever. Yeah, you know, well, Maybe a, a couple of the bodgy sides in you know, World Cup somewhere where Namibia got in or something. But Yeah, or maybe when teams were on the take or thrown games <laughs> or whatever. But this, this, this was... This was um, I mean, it started off very early on with the ground fielding inside the ring, and you're mm-hmm. like, gee, they're, they're a bit scratchy this morning. But some there of those... There was one in that, that second or third over was it, where, where there was sort of about five dot balls. Um, yeah, and they conceded and... the single off the... Off well, there the... were four dot balls. Four dot balls. Uh, Army was bowling four dot balls to, uh, to Kawaja, was it? Or to... No, because Kawaja hit the boundary. So Warner yep. got the single. Warner yep. profited from a single from a misfield. Kawaja yep. hits a boundary next ball. You know, you kind of... Yep. The, 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 the rot had set in early. And then Hassan Ali, who actually was the... Was the best of the bowlers yeah. by some margin. Five, five fifty-two hole. bowled beautifully at the start. Took five out of six wickets to fall, yeah. incidentally, which is pretty solid. And yet was an absolute shambles in the field. Some of his yeah. the, the, the one drop catch at mid off off Warner when he was still about eighty odd was inexcusable. No, he was on hundred actually, but still it was inexcusable for the mm. the, the way in which the the, the the catch was put down. The drop catch from Shajil. Yeah, I mean, no, no, worst one was a slip and the, oh. uh, the gully. Sorry, Steve Smith on eleven. Um, he guided the ball to Gully, and Shajil could have taken it with two hands comfortably. Just kind of popped one mitt out, almost as though to deflect it down, like he didn't realise that it was an, a On catch. Yeah. Um, so that went down, and, and uh, Hassan missed another one too, running back with the flight at short fine leg. He threw a but cup. There was Shajil had the other one, didn't he? It's yeah, sort of, d- not d- even d- a mid-wicket. deep mid-wicket, but just sort of coming in, just an easy lob, sort of you know miss hit attempted slog, and he just. Just you know, took it in front of his chest and popped it, it on the and, ground, and that was probably the worst of the lot. So yeah. Pakistan had every right to be chasing three fifty three. They were never really in the game, notwithstanding the fact that Shajil did hit seventy four in forty seven balls, and for a time that was fun, was, wasn't it? It was, certainly was. He um, put one in the top deck of that was it the Bruongle? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean I, that's a huge hit. Yeah, was, no, you're right. It was yeah, the it was on the long right. side yeah. of the ground. Yeah. Um, it was against Travis Head, I think, from memory. 
got wasn't even that short, but he just got back far enough and pulled it literally into the top deck. Frustrating Huge. player, Shazil. Oh. He's a he's a he's an oddball. I, yeah. I, I I don't really I can't get a read on him yet. But uh, obviously very gifted hand eye. Uh, Babar made another thirty odd. Muhammad Afiz was there for a time. Likewise, Shahab Malik both for forties. But there really was never a time in the game where Pakistan were sufficiently ahead of the run rate. They ended up being but bowled lovely, out. Lovely little tactical move though from Steve Smith there with Hafiz. Now Hafiz plays a lovely slog sweep to to Zampa, popped him into the stands yep. on the short side of the ground. Smith takes him off, brings him around to the other end. So because he, he had, you know, the the long side was long for Shagil on the leg side and short for the right hand on on his leg side. I saw the wicket, but I'm, I Shagil was... gets out. Two right handers come in, Malik and and Hafiz are in, and then Smith takes Zamper off, brings him on from the other end, so that the long side is the leg side. And then yeah, next time right. Hafiz log sweeps, he's out caught in deep mid wicket where it would have been six on the other side. Of the it's very clever, Stephen Smith. Oh, little sniff, like the tactical play. I must sniffed admit, out a, a lead there. I didn't see the first bit because mm. I was watching Roger Federer, but I must have flicked back in time for the wicket, you know, priorities. Uh, but the the, the the innings was over on 267. They were six overs short of, of batting out their full complement. So as we said before, Hazelwood yet again, three for 54. Uh, Travis Head, two more. Adam Zampa, three for 55. His first game of the series, indeed the first time that there were there was a special spinner played by Australia in this series and it was yeah. not before time. First time anybody has worn an Alice band uh, to keep their hair back. Steve Smith's been wearing one, man. Has he? Absolutely. He's wearing one under his lid. So when he takes his helmet oh. off to mark his hundred, he's got Lovely. the um, he's got the little the little. The, the so mate. I wonder whether he borrowed Zampa's possibly. Mm. This is a question. Maybe Zampa's got him. some spares in the kit bag. Oh, I'm pretty right with that. Do you know I wore for a very long time? I wore I wore a Nike headband like Shane Warren when I bowled. Like, it's uh, quite embarrassing. Like, wow. Yeah, it's, it's true. It did happen all through my junior career. Thinking about opening the bowling for Afghanistan. Yeah, that's <laughs> the right. dreams that a kid has. <laughs> um, but so, okay, uh, um, is it because lamentably we don't have that segment anymore on the telly at the lunch break where you go through someone's kit bag? Remember that exciting <laughs> segment where it's like, oh, oh, Huss, where do you keep your gloves? You know, oh, I like to keep six pairs and they're color coordinated. And you know, and what about your bats? Yeah. How many bats have you got? Yeah. Oh, and then oh, in this pocket, I keep things like tape for repairing bats. Handles and keep the thing you know, I, I keep the, the stud, the stud, whatever you call it. Yeah, the, um, the thing that I knock in bats with, which I never do because I have a bat sponsor who sends <laughs> me a crate of the things every year and I smoke them like cigars. Um, yeah, we don't have that, so we don't know where does Zampa keep his headbands, how many does he have, how many spares, does he change them when they get sweaty? I love the gloves, does he leave them to dry on the boundary line? You know, what happens if one breaks mid innings? You know, what happens if you. You know, say the ball swishes past it and takes a little nick out of it. I don't know. I like that he's wearing it and, prop- and copying enormous grief on social media. But he's like, you know what? You know what, fellas? I I, I play for Australia, yeah. so you can beat it. Like, I yeah, really enjoy that's it. awesome. Yeah. Like, who, who's uh, who's got a national cricket contract here out of everybody? Yeah, not the guys uh, with eggs on Twitter. You guys getting him. paid for tweets? Is that, <laughs> is that, is that uh, how much is CA paying you per tweet? What's your uh, what's your match fee for tweeting about this match? Um, but no, it's great. I mean, I just think it's a tribute to Nathan Bracken. Um, oh yeah, of isn't course. that lovely? You know, yeah. I mean, the, um, the, the far, forgotten the, man, rather. Yeah, the, the failed political candidate last time I saw him running up oh, on the central coast with John Singleton's ticket in the 2013 election. So good to wow. see he had an interesting post career. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, he was the number one rated one day bowler in the world. He was for point. a time. You're and right. Then, yes. uh, then he got shafted. All right. Speaking of World Cups, the 1987 World Cup side was recognised at the um, at the uh, at the Sydney. Well, a couple of people recognised them. They're like, is that Alan Border? Yeah, he's Alan. AAB. Do you know what I saw on TV last week and it horrified me? Alan Border doing a promotion for an old. People thing where you put your feet up on this thing when you're watching the TV and it like helps with your circulation. Mm. And Alan Border was the poster child for the old people circulation thing. I'm like, 
He can't be. That's not yeah, right. Can't, not right. AB can't be doing that. No, it's like he's Ash, not old. It's like Ashtonago losing his hair. You're I mean, like, I know this, AB's this always kind be. of been old in a way because he was old. He was for born a, old. Yeah, as a cricketer, but you yeah. can't be like old, old. That, that's discount. Yeah, like he was born, slapped his mother on the back, and said, "Yo, gradual." <laughs> you know. <laughs> put, <laughs> then Murphy's yeah. come and put his tongue in his ear. <laughs> he had a moustache on the way out. AB. <laughs> there was um, there was some uh, there was there was lots of lots of good photos on social media of the of the eighty seven side. So mm-hmm. what happened there? That the, basically the guy was the. CC last year agreed to have medals struck mm-hmm. in honour of those who played in World Cup finals that came yep. before um, when they started formally doing it. I'm not quite sure what year that was, but um, that was the chance to recognise that 30 years on. Yep. So well played to um, the ICC for that. Yeah, but you know why it really happened? It was the deep superstitions at Cricket Australia that they were going to send a one-day team out without a marsh on the field. So they're oh, like, yeah, we've just got to get, get swampy. one of the marshes out there. So they had to get Jeff Marsh out. Just They just need a marsh to walk on the turf to make sure that evil spirits don't possess the Australian team. And the other thing I enjoyed that Andrew Zessers was there, of course, a member of the 87 squad who was never really side of the game, but, uh, but I think it was the South Australian all-rounder um, who, who was in all the photos and well and truly amongst mm-hmm. them as well. So well played to that side. Uh, it was a fantastic World Cup win, really, when you think about the, the effect it had on Australian cricket they thereafter. They beat Pakistan in Pakistan. To beat India in India and then beat the best side in the world, that being England. Um, at the peak of their powers as well. Uh, so well played uh, for, yeah. for all involved there. Uh, and, and another note on the Australian men's team before we push on is that uh, we have the Allen Border medal tomorrow night, or tonight rather, in Sydney. So mm-hmm. Monday night, if you're listening to this on Monday. Yeah, and the winner of that gets a foot circulation device. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> really just help keep your feet in tip-top condition. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, you've done well there, Jeff. The, uh, the, the, the favourite for that award, as usual, is Steve Smith. He's going to win his um, 14th in a row, I think, at, the, at this stage. So um, good on your Smith in advance. I'm going to congratulate you now because most people will hear this after Monday night. So congratulations to the 2016 Allen Border medalist, Stephen Smith. Um, but he may not win the Test Player of the Year. I think there's a chance that either Josh Hazelwood or Mitchell Stark could, could get mm. that gong. Um, Stark, as you pointed out to me before the show, Jeff would have racked up, um, uh, racked up. Probably the, uh, gets nine votes in, in Sri Lanka Stryker. across three tests. Or Smith in Colombo with the hundred might tip him, but yeah, I mean, just bowled like an absolute god in Gaul uh, and was very good in Candy. So yeah, I reckon he'll be he'll be amongst it. I mean, there and, is but there's one, I guess the Warner could Johnson, win it too. You that Mitch Johnson won it. Four different people won all the different categories, didn't they? I'm oh, I don't sure. remember that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I, I think I remember, like, maybe Dave Hussey won the T20 one. Someone else won the one-day one. Johnson won right. the Test Player. And then Clark won the AB medal. Okay. I reckon. Well, there is a the, the, probably the, the one that would, should that's win. That's terribly Well, Warner unreliable. should win the one-day the one day award. So maybe Warner well, yeah, could rack up enough points in the one-day in the one day side of it to, True. to move him over the top. I know that Test is weighted more than one day, but you know there's, there's always a chance there for mm. David Warner to win that fable medal. Is it yeah. a fable medal, though? I don't know. Peter do Neville we, in do, the T20 World Cup. You know, <laughs> had that innings of 10 <laughs> off two balls. That was pretty good. What, what do we think about the AB medal? I, I, I acknowledge that it's a thing that's been around since 2000 and it's kind of part of the calendar now, but yeah. as, as, I don't think it's... I don't know. I just don't think it ever quite reached the heights that they expected. You mean they, they were like, we should have a cricket Brownlow, and then they're basically just still trying to have a cricket Brownlow? First couple of years it worked. First couple of years it rated the socks off, and everyone remembers Michael Slater getting mm-hmm. on the gas and jumping up on stage and singing K-San. 
Um, no, no, everyone knows where they were when that happened, where JFK was when he was shot, where, you know, where they were when they saw Neil Armstrong walk on the moon, where they were when Slats was on stage singing with, the, with a face full of purple, um, singing K-Sand before they jumped on the plane to India the next day. But, um, you know, that, that was a thing. He was just Colin trying to Miller. tell them to get to the airport. He's like, no, literally, the last plane out of Sydney has almost gone. Guys, get on the plane. Uh, and, and, of course, there was the Colin Miller winning the, um, the yeah, test, test player, player of the year. Yeah, test player of the year in 2000, wasn't oh, I, That still makes me happy. Sometimes I wake up in the night after a bad dream or something, and I just roll over and think, Colin Miller won Test Player of the Year in so, 2000. Steve Waugh's team. And I go back to sleep. Maybe there is more to this medal than, than yeah. I'm giving credit for. And also at the Allen Border Medal, I do note, and this is probably more significant for those that listen to this show regularly, they've expanded the, the women's prizes this year. Mm-hmm. It's not just going to be the Belinda Clark medal, which has been restruck uh, in the form of a teardrop. I'm not quite <clears> sure what that means exactly, other than the massive attack attempt we had at singing before the show started. But <laughs> no, it's not good. We won't put that on again for you here on the show. Uh, but also, um, they've got a new award for the Young Player of the Year, which is the, the Betty Wilson mm-hmm. uh, Award, which is a, a good option. I think that Ash Gardner and Amanda Wellington would be the two favourites to, to get that Guernsey. I can't really think of a third. They'd be well, the two standouts. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it takes in... What's the qualification period, though? Yeah, that I'm unclear about. But... Because it, it, it sort of depends if it takes in the second half of the WBBL last year where I mean last yeah last year last year yeah 2016 um yeah yeah, when Amanda Wellington was going great guns she didn't go so well in the the big bash this last season but she kind of Gardner was but she did cruising she did before Christmas last year she she got her way into the one day side yeah that's right so she had a great lead-up period there and the other and and it's good that we're I think that we're um, acknowledging Betty Wilson as well who was who was once described as the the woman Bradman back in the day and you know had a a test average of fifty eight. Brad uh, woman, the, yeah, the Brad woman, yeah, indeed, and and yeah, I can. I love how you've always got to find the something like everyone has to be the something else. Yeah, like Bradman. George George Headley, the Black Bradman, of course. Yeah, yeah we, in sort of perhaps less politically aware times. Um, but you know, whoever I think is, they own that though. But, I think the Black Bradman, they 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 recognise him as the Black Bradman in, in Jamaica. Well, so he was an absolute. A, Body but, god of batting, so yeah, yeah, fair I don't think it's a pajority thing. If you don't no, know. I, don't, I don't think it's pajority. It's, it's you know, it's that sort of um, slightly small-minded English worldview of the time that came up with stuff like that. Um, but, but but it's you know, wherever you're from, you're the you're the Barnsley Bradman. You know, you're the, the Shepherd and Bradman. Tom Moody, he's the tall Bradman. You know, like any sort of physical characteristic. Oh, Andrew McDonald, the redhead Bradman. Well, in, in this case, her numbers back it up as well, have, uh, making three Test tons in the space of eleven Tests. So Betty Wilson to be acknowledged. And I, I want to make a quick side note here at this stage that we should um, uh, recognise that uh, Rachel Haho Flint died during the week, who was uh, yeah. um, England's most successful uh, Test captain of all time, uh, and uh, it was such a pioneer for women's cricket mm-hmm. in that country. Not least the fact that she got women onto Lords for the first time in 1976. She was the initiator of the World Cup in 1973. If not for um, her her thought bubble, if you like, at the time, that wouldn't have became a World Cup, and that was two yeah. years ahead of the men's World Cup. So leaves an enormous legacy as a journalist and, and as a writer. Her as well as a broadcaster, so um, no one's really done more for women's cricket than, than Rachel Hayho Flint. Yeah, well, one of those sort of incredibly politely determined British women who was just never going to take no for an answer, even though uh, you know she wasn't going to be outrageous. Uh, about about making things happen, but you know when the when the Lord's authorities went up against her to try to you know say that women shouldn't be playing at that ground, they didn't really know what they were letting themselves in for. Uh, a battle which still to this day at, at some yeah. levels does continue. And I should also note that Betty Wilson is being uh, inducted to the Cricket Australia Hall of Fame tonight mm-hmm. alongside David Boone and Matthew Hayden, and that might be a decent place to leave the the international cricket. We'll be back in a tick with the BBL. This is the final word with ABC Grandstand. 
Final word, Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon, here to talk about the Women's Big Bash League. First of all, we had seven teams that were in contention to make the final four at the start of the weekend. A really ni- nice, elegant uh, final round where um, four games were played on Friday night, then the same teams played each other on Saturday. So it meant that we knew very much what the teams needed to do before we started on the weekend. They kind of progressively got themselves eliminated as we went through. We'll start with the most significant of those ties, though, and that was the um, the Melbourne Stars who were travelling down to Hobart, to Bell Reeve Oval, to play the Hurricanes. The Stars were in a very, very similar situation to last year, Jeff, where they needed to win both of their games in the final round to make the finals and, and missed out. Yeah, and, and sort of disappointingly so after... Well, I mean, they could still have gone through had Brisbane mucked up. You know, if Brisbane yep. had lost one of their games against Adelaide, then the Stars and the Hurricanes would both have gone through. Um, but as it was, you can't really rely on that. And Brisbane very nearly did. They went to a Super over in one game, but the Stars um, weren't able to win both. Now, that first one, I mean... Hell after, of a game. After you have, I mean, just that ridiculous... If we can spell it out for you, 12 runs needed off the last two balls. And just go back a bit. So they've only got, they've only got, uh, they've got 12 overs to make. 98 yeah, after Duckworth reduced. Lewis and they only had to make um, 115 to begin after 14 so the whole game was marred by rain so they've got yeah. They're, yeah, so anyway continue yeah so um, you know reduced chase etc etc um, but but things haven't gone well through the last over you've got down to the last two balls you need 12 you've got Jess Cameron on strike who can hit sixes so she dearly does but go back they took two wickets in the th- in the third and fourth yeah. ball Satterthwaite took wickets so yeah. she's gone wicket wicket That's they need 12 to win off two balls like right. it's just not going to happen yeah I mean it, it's insane stuff's happening Jess Cameron hits the six off that second last ball and you're like well, hello, you know, wax it straight. Um, they need a six off the last ball. And, I mean, I just – I've, I've turned this over in my head all week. I still can't believe this happened. Amy Satterthwaite, one of the best bowlers in the comp, uh, has been so consistent all season. Spinner, last ball of a T20, two defend six – Bowls are no ball. Front foot, no ball. It's extraordinary. Front foot, no ball. So they need, they need, they need six to win. And one, it gets hit for four. It, but it's the one thing you're told when you're running into bowl yeah. the line. Yeah, just pretty, make sure you're behind the line. Just it, make sure you're behind the line. It I mean, doesn't matter if you bowl the worst pie of all time. It's still probably not going to go Cause, to journey. Cause what it also does, I mean, if you, even in that scenario, you bowl a wide. That's, yeah. a, that's a bad thing, but it, you know, it's not a free hit. Yeah, at least it's – and it's only one – you know, like it, it's yeah, it's one off the total, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's a rebowl delivery, but it meant that with one with with the last ball, then one run to win, and it was a free hit. There was no way they could lose. Yeah, and it was also well, a run out was would have been the only way if you know if they'd um tried to go for a run on yeah. that. Last well, they'd already tied and, by that point anyway, I suppose you could say. But um, a, yeah. amazing victory there by the Hurricanes. They would have thought, like, just, um, particularly for the moment, wicket, wicket, twelve moment, to win, two sixes. It's just crazy. The moment where Jess Cameron hits the four, she probably thinks, "Oh, bugger it, I've lost the game," you know, because I've only hit a four. Um, and then it turns out it's a no ball. Overstepped, crack. free hit. So five runs yeah. for that ball, one for the win. Yep. So the Melbourne Stars got out of jail is the only way you can describe that. Earlier in the game... And that's the sort of thing you've got to turn into some momentum going forward. That's what the Sixers were able to do last season. You know, they had a lot of narrow escapes and they just scraped through into the semifinals. They kept managing to turn that into momentum and then the Stars just... Such a frustrating team to watch, and likewise the Hurricanes would have thought they'd blown that game, and they mm-hmm. thought they would have, you know, they're they're in they're into a, a must, a, you know, a sudden death game, a, a prelimination own, finally, yeah. if you like, against the Stars the next day, and they they made 115 in 14 overs, you know, um, Knight made 45 and Satterwhite 39 in, in quick time. So I mean, they've blown a they've blown a win with the ball at the very end. So, but on the other hand, you know, you're right, Jeff. The Stars should have gone in thinking, well, we're mm-hmm. we're hot to trot here, but it wasn't the case at all. Well, I mean, they made a a reasonable total, and it was all down to Meg Lanning again. Now, she 
popped herself up above 500 runs for the season. Second Incredible. season running. She did that last I think year she did as well. well yeah. yep. um, 513 or something last year from memory. 502 this year. Um, she makes 81 off 55, another ridiculous innings. But even so, it only gets them to 135 because she just, you know, again, didn't quite have the support, didn't I only, quite have I, the momentum. Only just came in with 16, made double yeah. figures apart from Lanning. Like, and there's that inability to chip in that we've kept talking about. I'm, I'm sick of repeating myself on it. Um, but to have one player make that sort of score at a strike rate of what's that, 130, 140, um, and then not really have anyone else contribute and get to a sort of middling total, the Hurricanes are always in that game. And they only got their six down, but they did get there. Oh, and they got there with one ball to go. It was a fairly tense uh, finale Very in that game finish, as well. Yeah. So that effectively, um, Triscari versus Corinne Hall, and Hall's gone bang, bang uh, in the space of two balls. They did eight runs to, to win. Um, at the end, with Emma Thompson batting with with Corinne Hall, and they and they mm-hmm. got the two run, they got the the the, the runs through two two boundaries from from Corinne Hall. So, after such great work from Beams early on, yeah, and, and late as well. I mean, Kristen Beams coming back to she yeah. the second last over. I think bold Haley Matthews got Heather um, got Heather Knight earlier ripper as well. I mean, just just got. I think it was the wrong one, um, and Haley Matthews was nowhere near it. You know, World Cup winner with West Indies, and sure couldn't uh, couldn't touch that ball. It crashed into her stumps and got the crucial wicket of night for thirty five. Uh, I think the over before that as well. So, I mean, you know, they, they did all the hard yards only for it to, yeah. to, to come down at the end to uh, be a, a, a rather dispiriting loss. So they finished the, the regular season mm. um, with having played 14 games, as they all did, but they finished with 7-7. Seven and seven. And when you consider where the Stars were earlier in the year, um, top of the table at one stage, very similar to last year. They finished 7-7 seven and seven last year as well, if memory serves me correctly. So yeah. once again, they missed the finals. And once again, we sit there and go, how is this possible with a team as strong as that on paper? And maybe, and their run rate was, you know, their net run rate was strong for the season as well. So yeah, maybe the no result really helped the Hurricanes there. They had one washout, so they won seven games as well, but they got an extra point for the washout, which took them ahead of the Stars. Um, you know, they, they may have won that game if it had been played, but they've been very patchy, very inconsistent. So if they're going mm. up against the Sixers, top of the table, the Sixers knocked them out of the semifinals last season. Yep. But, but that was a, an inverse where the Hurricanes were the strongest side, Sixers were the underdogs, whereas this year it's Sixers are very much the most consistent team after a, a poor first few games. The most consistent team in the competition right now, Jeff, and you mentioned them before, the Brisbane Heat, they've had a, they've had a wonderful run of late. Um, they, they played the Strikers in, in a double header, if you like, well, over two days at the Gabba. And yeah. look, to be fair, the Strikers actually did put a total on the board for the first time in, I don't know how long, since before Sophie Devine went to New Zealand for those games um, early in the new year. I think it's the first time they made serious runs. They made five for 139, um, uh, principally due to Tammy Beaumont, who finally, finally, finally found her way down under. She bat- went down to number four, made 50, 50 not out of 42 balls. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so, so after a, a terrible run of form, she, she finally got there. Sophie Devine, second ball duck. So um, they, they, you know, Sophie didn't really fire a shot after coming back to Australia. Um, and an unbroken 72-run stance between Beaumont and Amanda Wellington. Who knew she, who yep. knew she could bat? Well, she had a, a couple of good little knocks last season, you know, sort of late in the innings. Um, I think she got them over the line in a run chase there. I'm just fossicking around in my memory bank where she made uh, about 20-odd not out to to get them uh, get them past a total last season. But I'd have to look that one up. But, yeah, she batted particularly well, 46 not out off 25, uh, you know, went for it. But then, shots. but then sure enough, as has been the case the last few weekends, Beth Mooney, the Australian international, went nuts. They passed it one down. 
with five overs to spare. That's, mm. a, that's a leg in the air if ever I've seen it. Beth made yeah. 75 not out of 47 balls. She put on 100 with Kirby Short, who made 42 of 31 balls. Yeah. That's become the most dynamic opening partnership in a WBBL. Oh, absolutely. And, and, I mean, Mooney, what, three times this season, 75 not, 75 not, 78 not. Yeah, that's in, in the last 10 games or so. Extremely so she's, consistent. She's been flying. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they did that one easily, but then there were a lot more nerves in the second game. That was crazy. It's a, another result which, if, you know, you go back and look at the scorecard, you actually yeah. have to watch the watch the vision to get a, a full sense of uh, how ridiculous that was going well, yeah, to I was super over. I was, uh, I was watching that one live, and it was uh, it was definitely tense. It was one of those kind of cloggy sort of games where no one could really get away. So Brisbane make 127 for six. It's not much of a total. Um, the strikers eventually limped to a tie. They were eight wickets down as well. Um, and things didn't go so well for them in the super over. But uh, how good was Deandra Dotton? Not often in cricket you get to bowl 12 deliveries in a row, legitimate balls, but she bowled out the last over of the strikers' innings. And they, um, and they only needed six to and win. And only conceded six. She so conceded five. five right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a bunch of singles, and, and there was a run out in there as well. Um, conceded five there, and then she's had to come back to bowl the super over, the very next, you know, straight up next thing. Uh, and they only made... Was it four runs of it? Two runs of two. it. Two. They got two, two off, two off yeah. the super over, which meant that um, when Beth Mooney, predictably enough, smashed a boundary second ball, it was game over and the Heat yep. won the super over. I would note out of that game, probably the most significant part beyond um, what occurred on the field was Deandra Dotton back on the park after that yes. terrific injury. She made 51 off 41 balls. Um, so even though and then she came out and batted in the super over too, so that was my yeah. favourite bit. Bowl the last over of the game, bowl the super over, and then bat the super. Yeah, over. so as much if as you don't mind, welcome back. It just kind of shows how crucial she could be, oh. like almost like a super sub if you like, coming yeah. into the the elimination stages, which super they will play. Sub. Um, obviously uh, later in the week, we'll come to that in a moment. So the third um, duo of games, if you like, were the games played at Belrive Oval between the uh, Sixers and the Renegades. Uh, they wasn't played at Belrive Oval; that was played um, at, at North Sydney. I've yeah, got Belrive written here. Um, That's the, right. It was um, all about North the beautiful Sydney. pickets, and that was very picturesque. Enjoyed watching that one. Yes, uh, the Sixers made 148 for five. These rubbers were essentially dead. The Sixers needed to pick up one game to to uh, to secure top spot, and the Renegades really they were kind of mm. they, they were they were living on it. They were entirely reliant on other results, which That's didn't right. go their way anyway. Um, but they did keep themselves in in in, in, in as far as they did all they could in that first game, chasing down that 148. So mm. for the Sixers, it was um yeah it was uh, Ash Gardner who made her third 50 for the tournament. This time. It was 38 balls, five sixes. Of course, Sarah McGlashan was there, predictably enough. She made 45 off 38 balls. Those two have been a rock in the sixes middle order throughout the course of the tournament. Um, but the Renegades, they went, they went hard early. They put on a 42-run stand in the power play. Molyneux um, and Priest, who made 44, combining for that. Then Chris Britt, she's had an excellent WBBL. She yep. made 31 not out off 19 balls to win the game, along with Maitland Brown, who, who is, uh, who's meant to be a fast bowler, which well, yeah. is a fast bowler with huge raps on her. She's an 18-year-old from the ACT. That's who right. came down this season for her first go and, uh, and got elevated. I don't know if they just saw something in the nets they liked, but she caned 30 off 15 balls, and they had a an over and change to go when they were done with that chase. And they were missing uh, Elise Perry of the Sixers there because yeah. she injured her hamstring batting, which keeps her, keeps her out of the semi-final. That's right. And she so. missed the second game as well. But they didn't really miss her in the second game. They, they went even bigger, made 158 for five. The Sixers there, Healy smashed 84. It just sort of made it look easy, really. Um, she threw away a ton. Well, yeah, to be she, honest. She was, out, she, in was the, she was out in the 16th over, I think yeah. it was, and uh, Molly Strano uh, bowled her. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I was I was lamenting that she she didn't go on to make three figures there because she had every opportunity mm. to the cap, the standing captain that day as well. She had. 
And uh, McGlashan made 31 in that, uh, setting up that total. And I think the Renegades were just tired by then. They couldn't be bothered. They'd already had their win. So they, they lost a stack of wickets in the first few overs and uh, were never really in that game and ended up on 123 for nine with most of their wickets down. Yeah, what, what I would say about the Renegades is, and we'll do a, a broader post-mortem next week on the WBBL and, and the teams that missed out, but they, they have had some promising performances from their younger oh, they players. they so much better this season. Yeah, I mean, haven't they? Yeah. They've, they've at least... They've had, really had some spirit. They've they've got stuck into a few games. I mean, they've fallen over in a few chases, but they've actually put away quite a number of chases this season. And yeah, I mean, I mentioned Chris Britt before. Yeah. But she she finished up uh, in the tournament. Uh, I think about with about 290 runs at over 30, which is not for nothing, and, and was involved in a series of those successful run chases. Danny White, likewise, came good towards the end. But the young players, Maitland Brown, we mentioned before, mm. looked fantastic on the MCG against the Stars on New Year's Day. Yeah, uh, Molly, Molly, Molly Strano ended up second, second on the wicket-taking list with 21 wickets. She must be close to an Australian call-up now. Mm-hmm. That's and her second. Well. Yep, she did. She made runs at crucial times as well. But she made and hits the ball a long way as well, Molly Strano. But you know, she she finished with 21 scalps. It's only two. Behind Behind Sarah Ailey, who finished with 23. So mm. that's the second year in a row Molly's been inside the top five. Uh, Mo, um, Sophie Molyneux, I mean, she made 24 at the top of the order in the final game. But again, you know, Sophie Molyneux was very consistent throughout the yep. uh, throughout the summer at the top of the order and with and, her off And wasn't known as a, as a batsman last year. She was a, Not at all. a spinner coming in well down the order, and, and this year she's turned that around. So there's a lot of upside for them, I think. Um, yeah. but, uh, Grace Harris needs to probably sort her game out she's been really out of sorts since you know she made an impression on the ashes tour in 2015 and and she came back and started that first wbbl very well made that hundred and sort of made a reputation for herself but uh, she just hasn't been physically right she her game hasn't been right she's been off in a in a whole range of ways yeah sure. um, so she's probably got to maybe just take a little time out from the game and, and work out how to fix that up, you know, I don't know what sort of support she needs technically, you know, coaching-wise to, to get things right, but they're not right at the moment. Yeah, not helped by a shoulder injury, which kept her out yeah. of some games in the middle of the season, yeah, yeah. dropped so, down to number six, and, and she hasn't made a run, as you say, Jeff, since really uh, that 100 she made for the Heat last year. She made, I think, 39 in not many, in not yeah. long at all when, when to, to, to play a role in one of those successful chases, but broadly, uh, she's got a fair way to go. Plenty of time to get it together at age 23, though, and still very much part of mm-hmm. the Southern Stars planning, and the last set of games... I love that over- phrase. It's, it's still very much part of our plans moving forward. That's what you say when you punt somebody. Nick Maddinson gets the boot. Full, or got whatever. the full yeah. board. Yeah, yeah. Still, still very much part of our future plans. Let's skip through these last games, because that was essentially a dead rubber, really. The Scorchers and the Thunder, who yeah. were already shot, really. I mean, uh, the, the Scorchers... Um, made 149 for five, and the Thunder didn't chase it down. They both, it was a pretty good game of cricket, though, when you look at it on paper. Um, sending in Perth, I don't know if you send in Perth very often. That's probably a questionable decision from the Thunder. 97 put on by Bolton and Villani, who made 74 and 32, respectively. 74 or 55 balls. Villani continues to be a force, uh, finishing up six on the run-makers list in the regular season. Um, Stefani Taylor, in reply, was uh, was out first ball, run out by Shrubzol. Um, so Anya Shrubsall right. showing she's got more than one club in her bag there. There was still kind of a chance when Blackwell, who made 39, was in there with Harman Preet. Uh, but Harman Preet, uh, I'll just note that that's the, really the, the first time she's had an effect on the tournament with the bat since the first weekend, really. Yeah. She's been inconsistent and made 64 off 37 balls here, though. And, you know, five sixes in that innings, yeah. I think it was. Just a reminder she's, of that. She's such an class. exciting player when she goes. Uh, you know, a, a little frustrating that that she did miss out on occasion. And, you know, for the defending champs to end up in the bottom half of the table and not even contest the finals, 
pretty disappointing, especially considering the the quality of recruits like her that they brought in. So she very nearly did it. I mean, she you would mention that opening weekend where she was part of a ridiculous chase mm. as well and almost did it single-handed and, and nearly did it again here as they, they only ended up four runs short of the uh, Scorchers total. Yeah, Piper Cleary took three for 19, and we haven't spoke a lot about her on the pod, but she picked up Haynes Blackwell and Stallenberg, so it's a handy trio. She had a Stallenberg's quite... the other one who hasn't made a run this season. That's true. Been absolutely dismal after. She sort of won, weirdly won an Australian call-up last year, and but didn't get to bat. So they they brought right. her in for one game. Bat at number eight. They, they bumped her down to eight and then didn't play her and then dropped her for the next one. I think she's got, yeah, she's got a cricket invade profile where she's played, you know, one match DMB. For, for, for no stats. For no stats. Didn't bowl, didn't bat. Um, uh, and did the, a bit of fielding for, for 20 overs. And so f- I don't know what the deal is with her. But, and she's got a central contract, but um, she's had a, an absolutely woeful season. Literally yeah, sh- barely got out of... Out of um, Single figure. I think she's 18 years old, so, so again, plenty of time for her. Maybe oh yeah, she I mean, 19. she's a she's a you know obviously a a huge way. future, but it's I don't know you you you, you tag some players and think oh, I can't wait to see what they do next, and then you know it's a it's a little disappointing when the roller coaster goes down instead of up. Second album blues or something like that, right? Or second year blues they use in footy. Uh, so mm-hmm. the last game of the regular season was also at Lilac Hill between the Scorchers and the Thunder once more. The Scorchers made 131, and the Thunder got a consolation victory. Uh, the, the, the the Scorchers were less impressive with the bat this time, albeit after Bolton made 53 mm-hmm. at the top, timely runs from her, uh, but not enough. Um, Stefani Taylor made 62, ever consistent. Uh, to see them home alongside Alex Blackwell. So, again, they haven't made the finals, but they've got that final victory. They finished the tournament on six wins and seven losses. They could probably count themselves a bit unlucky due to the fact that they lost um, they, they lost a game due to a no result against the Hurricanes there earlier in the season. But on the whole, a pretty disappointing title defence. Well, yeah, and then they lost the point that they got for that no result by getting uh, done for a slow over eight That's penalty true. as well. So, but that would only have taken them to 13 points, which still would have been uh, not enough. Yeah, just just really, really inconsistent through that middle. They basically, I don't think they won two in a row this season, did they? I doubt it. No, they couldn't have because they didn't have two in a row up until last weekend, mm. and they certainly haven't since then. So yep. the semi-finals are the Scorchers and the Heat in Perth on Tuesday, and the, and the Sixers and the Hurricanes in Brisbane on Wednesday. Now this is um, noteworthy that they mm. decided to put the second versus second game on at the same time as the men's first, first versus, versus fourth, fourth game, that, which yeah. isn't the convention, but it's eminently sensible. Now, the Scorchers are not having to travel to Brisbane when they've qualified higher than the Heat, so I think um, the administrators yep. have made a good decision there. And likewise, in the second final, where the Sixers are hosting the Canes, they've, yep. they've got to travel to Brisbane to do so because they play the women's finals at the same venue as the men. So, um, But what they do get is to play at the same venue as their men who are up there playing in the mm. game against the Brisbane Heat. So, so you're sort of moving one larger squad instead of uh, two different ones. That, that's right. So yeah. I think in terms of, you know... I, I, that it, makes sense. It does. I, I kind of feel for the Heat, if anything, though. The Heat did finish third, so they, they've, uh, they have to make the longest trip in football, so to speak, from Brisbane to Perth uh, after, you know, but they could, have, um, they, they could have nearly nabbed that last spot. They missed out on net run rate to the Scorchers, so the Scorchers yeah, lost by a little bit more to the Thunder. pretty lucky to get there after, after that super over. You know, if they'd, if they'd messed true. up that super over, they would have been out of the finals. So that's the finals yet again. Uh, it's going to be the, uh, the, the, the Sixers and the Scorchers and the Hurricanes featuring. And from last year, the Brisbane Heat enter and exiting uh, the Sydney Thunder. And pretty dire that uh, the Melbourne sides have not made finals ever. Ever. In, that's right. In two, yeah. you know, out of four, four chances, uh, no, no Melbourne sides. Not that, you know, not that we're uh, partial at all, Phil, doing our recordings on South Bank. Far from just, it. Uh, just next to the Yarra. But uh, it's, it's pretty dire. The Sydney teams have got three spots out of four in, in those two years. Melbourne teams, nothing. 
58 group games, I think they were in the WBBL. It's been a, a, oh. a hell of a ride, and we're, we're glad we're at the end of it. We've got two semis and a final to go, and we can't wait to uh, tell you all about it next week. This is The Final Word with Jeff Lemon and Adam Collins. ABC Grandstand. All right, time for some BBL on The Final Word with Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon. And we have got to the end of the road. 32 group games are completed. We have semifinals between the Scorchers and the Stars on Tuesday and the Heat and the Sixers on Wednesday in Perth and Brisbane, respectively. Uh, it all finished on Saturday night with the Melbourne Stars capitulating. They were one for 100 of 12 overs with Bob Quiney and Luke Wright doing as they pleased, and Kevin Peterson likewise. But they managed to be suffocated by the strikers, by the Sixers rather, from almost nowhere. I think Nathan Lyon was the main catalyst there. And then with the bat, the Sixers were six for 97, mm. and like losing wickets consistently. And Maddinson holed out. Likewise, uh, Haddon, Moses Henriks was bowled in the gate by, uh, by Liam Bowe, and it looks like it was game over. But then the two bowlers, it was um, Sean Abbott and Johan Botha, put on... They needed 60 off 35 balls, and they did it with an over to spare. They did it easy it, from nowhere. Just, you know, to mess it up sort of once in the game, you could forgive, but to, to mess it up twice from winning positions, it's very Pakistan, isn't it? Um, uh, sort of coming through in the Melbourne Stars, maybe it's the green uniforms. You know, maybe they're just channeling a bit of that. <laughs> maybe they just missed Glenn Maxwell in the middle order, you know, uh, bat well, and ball. The, the most disappointing thing out of all that was that it deprived us of a chance to have a, 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 a semi-final between the Stars and the Renegades. I mean, the MCG is a different place, isn't it? They would have got 80,000 plus to that. I mean, I know at the SCG, they've never got more than 40,000 people to a BBL game, but you can guarantee that had the two Melbourne sides been playing off in that semi, they would have got enormous numbers. So I think the administrators will be disappointed about that. Yeah, so then it's another Sydney team into the finals, which, of course, we love. Uh, they're going to Brisbane to play the Heat. Melbourne have to go to Perth. They won't be too worried about that, though. They've won their last two over there in a row, I think, uh, including was it including the semifinal. No, the semifinals in Melbourne last year, but they've beaten Perth three times in a row um, across season games and finals. Uh, the last, uh, you know, uh, up to the mid part of this season. Yeah, but it's just annoying having to fly five hours to Perth. I mean, it may not yeah. be, may not hold many demons in terms of the actual cricket itself, but it's such a logistical exercise getting over there and, and, and getting changing time zones and come back for a final, mm. you know, a couple of days later potentially if they were to win that fixture. The Scorchers also are in pretty good nick. They uh, there was a clinical performance against the Hurricanes earlier on that day. So we started Saturday ahead of the head of the two games with. Uh, with with uh, oh, I, there were six teams able to make it. The Hurricanes could have finished as high as third had they won by more than thirty five runs. They ended up finishing seventh, which gives you mm. a sense of how close the competition is. They only made one hundred and thirty four. Mitchell Johnson was in superb nick, and then uh, Sean Marsh made runs. He made fifty seven not out, and made it look easy, and he locked up that home final. They won in thirteen point five overs. So uh, again, the uh, the Perth side uh, have got a home final, and they are coming into form at the right time of the season. He's been good, hasn't he, Johnson? I, I... Did an interview with him for a magazine the other day, and and he's he just sounded like he's really having fun. You know, we talked about the big bash bit, and and he had tr this great enthusiasm for it. And it wasn't confected. He was saying um, he was saying he hadn't been sure about actually getting back and and playing any sort of T Twenty cricket. And he said Justin Langer came and talked to him and said, "We just want you to have fun. You know, don't don't worry about it. Don't overthink it. If you're if you're fit enough at the start of the season." Um, just just treat it as fun and enjoy it. And he said he's been doing that, um, and he's realised you know the training level that he needed to do for Test cricket is, isn't the same. He doesn't need the same level of fitness, the same level of running because he's bowling four overs. So as long as he's fresh and and he's and his action's smooth and he's sort of in good actual bowling nick, then 
um, it's actually just a, a pleasant way to, to spend your time, you know, play a few games here and there. But he also said he's getting very competitive again because you know, <laughs> he can't help it. You know, so he, he started lipping off again, even though he was a bit more relaxed at the start of the season. Now he's, uh, now he's getting mad if they lose. That's a nice story. I think he's earned the right more than most to enjoy his cricket after yeah. such a tumultuous career of playing for Australia. So um, uh, well-played Mitchell Johnson. He gets his chance to play in the, uh, in the final series for the Perth Scorchers. The Renegades, we mentioned before, could have made the four. That was on the basis that... Uh, they won in, well, chaotic circumstances on the Friday night. They did their best to lose it. Oh, I mean, uh, they've had a couple of last ball losses, what, two or three this season? Um, two, yeah. They've been the, the masters of the, the absolute uh, buttock-clenching finish. Uh, and this was just, it was one of the most bizarre, hilarious things. Like, imagine you as a, as a bowler, you're told you can concede up to 16 overs, 16 runs from this over and will win. And you're like, all right, and then I'll concede and, every and one it, of them. Yeah, exactly. And then a fortune teller says you're going to go for two sixes, and you're like, well, that's not good. That's not good at all. And then they're, like, not then they're like, and four wides, and you're like, well, that's not good either. And they're like, I'm not going to tell you about the other balls in the over, but I'm going to tell you that much. Yeah, it he, essentially means that he conceded all sixteen of his runs yep. in the space of two legal deliveries. <laughs> and yet he's still the hero because he took two wickets, affected a run out. I don't really understand. It, it, Jeff, it, talk it was, us through it. it so uh, Nathan Rivington, not renowned as a, as a sort of closing bowler. I think Pereira had bowled out already. Sarah Pereira, the Sri Lankan bowler. And kept out Chris um, Tremaine from the side as well. I just want to make that point in passing. Yeah. As I understand, Tremaine got dropped and Rivington was retained. Tremaine, I know right. he hasn't been red hot, but I mean, there's a, there's a class divide there. But anyway, Rivington mm. was bowling that last over. So it was, a, it was the exit campaign versus the Tremaine campaign. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got well today, Tremaine. Jim. Tremaine exited uh, is is the point that we got to. Um, Rivington, not you know, not a fierce bowler. He's he's that sort of little gentle medium pacer. I, I love Nathan Rivington. He's been around for years and years and years. He's sort of one of those players who I just has always been there in in the back of my head. Went through the weird beard phase for a while. Had this sort of like spiky ferret thing coming out of his face. Now he's back to the clean shave. But uh, and he's just a real proper sort of dibbly medium pacer, you know, nothing much on it. Um, bowls a wide way outside off stump. Joe Burns cracks him for six. Next ball out over mid-wicket. Uh, doubles it up again from the ball after that. That was a, a top edge, but it cleared the fence. Uh, and then Remington gets Burns out. He's sort of trying for for another big one. Uh, caught in the deep. So you've had three legal deliveries, 6-6 six, six wicket. Then he bowls another wide, so you get another run for that. Then he gets Buchanan out. The, uh, the the son of John Buchanan, Nick Buchanan, who sort of made his way back into the site. You should go and, and find Jared Kimber's article on on Nick Buchanan. It's a it's a terrific read out there on the internet on Crick Info. Uh, so he's gone as well. Then there's another wide. So you've got a couple of balls left. Uh, then there's a dot ball. Finally, Mark Steckett is batting at this stage. Um, and then what should be the last ball of the over? You go, okay, so he's conceded fifteen. He can concede one more. If he concedes two, it's a tie. If he concedes three, they win. He bowls a wide, and they run on it anyway because Mitch Swepson's down the other end, and he just puts his head down as soon as the ball's delivered and sprints. Fair enough. I mean, that's what you should try to do from the last ball of an innings. But if he'd stayed where he was, it would have been – well, it was a wide. The extra run, 
But then the ball comes in and he gets run out. Uh, and so they're nine wickets down at that point and they lose, even though there's theoretically a ball to spare. So somehow the Renegades somehow have defended their 199. They got beaten after making over 200 against the Hurricanes. They got beaten by Ashton Agar last ball uh, with a decent total as well. Yep. But they somehow got there and they went four and four in the regular season. Earlier on, Aaron Finch made 71 from 35 balls. Done it all BBL. Had a terrific tournament in 32nd on the run. Scorers list with 354. Only Ben Dunk from the Adelaide Strikers. It's ahead of him. If those two last ball results had gone their way, they would have been top of the ladder. It's that close, yeah. It was that kind of tournament. Mm. Uh, So the Heat, meanwhile, even though they lost that fixture, they'd sewn up their their finals berth uh, when beating the Stars a couple of nights earlier. They did that on a terrible track at the MCG. Um, It was used for the ODI a couple of days before. Luke Wright batted all innings, 55 balls for 60, which gives you a sense of Mm. a player of that. Um, dynamism can can not go for more than or make more than a runner ball. You get a yep. bit of a sense of how hard it was. Shrepson took two for fourteen, um, as Brisbane did it relatively easy with the bat with uh, Alex Ross and Joe Burns getting them home uh, with a couple of overs to spare. So they had the home final pretty much a lock then, but they, yeah, they weren't despite locked missing McCullum, who was suspended with the uh, the slow over rates. Yeah, so the, so they've they've kept their home final. I think I might have said before I might have misspoken. So they did. They kept their home final mm. despite losing to the Renegades because the Stars ultimately lost to the Sixers. That's how it played out. Right. And in between times, the Strikers and the Thunder it was a dead rubber really because the Thunder needed plenty to go right. Well, actually, it wasn't necessarily a dead rubber. Had the Thunder won, but the Strikers they made needed one. other results to go their way as well. But they needed to win that one first to to yeah. remain in it. Well, the Strikers so, the Strikers were liberated by being out of the Comp, I yeah. felt. So Dunk made 65. They made 178 all up. Pollard, Pollard made Pollard 47. So at last, he's, he's sort he was of playing sort of contribution. Yeah, flicks off his pads for six and, uh, you know, doing some some pretty ridiculous shot. There was a one-handed six over long on that that uh, I recall. I think it was the top hand as well. Like he yeah, had this big yeah. drive at it and he just only got it with the top hand and it sailed over. Like a backhand down at Melbourne yep. Park. Um, he showed he took six for 11, the best figures of the season and the second best of all time, Jeff. It was a hell of a display by the New Zealand league spinner. That's right. He's uh, he's pretty good um, in the crunch. You know, he comes in, he came in in the, the third game of that Chapel Hadley yep. decider Hamilton. In, in, in New Zealand in 2016, got parachuted in when uh, Mitchell Santner got injured. Did his foot, so he came in and, and took wickets there and bowled a terrific, suffocating spell. And yeah, in this game they just couldn't uh, couldn't get him away whatsoever. So six for in four overs, not too shabby. Quite a performance. Twenty five percent if your balls took wickets. And the only other game we should note, which we didn't cover last time, was the Renegades uh, accounted for the strikers at the start of the week. But the most significant part of that. Uh, game was when Brad Hodges' back came out of his hand and smashed Peter Neville in the face, yeah, which ugly. was an ugly incident. Which was still. Not entirely clear how long he'll be out for, but yeah, I don't think it, I don't think it ended up breaking his jaw, but it's, it was a pretty uh, nasty injury. Yeah, how long it'll keep him away from behind the stumps is yet to be seen. So the final standings on the ladder, as we mentioned before, it's the Scorchers, the Heat, the Sixers, and the Stars are the top four, all winning well, going five, 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 and four in terms of wins respectively. Mm. Um, the Renegades also won four, so they missed out on net run rate. The, the Strikers had three wins, as did the Hurricanes and the um, Sydney Thunder, who were the cellar dwellers. So the Thunder have gone the Thunder, the Thunder. The Thunder have gone from top to bottom in the space of a season. Mm. So, uh, and, and I think, you know, just in homage to our history, we should mention um, Sad Watto was, was at, at absolute massive levels during that loss because he was batting beautifully. He was clubbing it all over the place and Kevin Peterson was talking him up on the commentary. A couple of very nice cover drives, a couple of big sixes, and then he got out for 39 and then that really precipitated the collapse and so he went through the rest of them like a dose of salts. And um, evidently Watson was very forthright after the press conference. Yeah. He, he said oh, it was awful. He, he was very to the point. He didn't try and gloss well, over. Well, he was in his, his pitch side interview. He, he was looking pretty miserable already and that was before the wickets had come down. But right. then the shots of him on the bench as, as his team fell apart... Um, 
yeah, heart goes out to the uh, the big fellow. Might just go through the wicket takers list as well. Sean Abbott. I can't believe I just on... called someone a big fellow. Yeah. Never I said fellow, like I made it a bit classier. It wasn't an ER. You basically used big fellow. I yeah. used big fellow. Um, do you want to turn your phone off? Yeah. It's actually my computer. Yeah, it's it's not like to, to do things well, like it's, that. It's, you know, it's the second time. Well, I'll let it slide once, but I think I'm, I'm going to embarrass time. you. In, no, it wasn't, because mine's on silent. Oh, yeah. Let's not bicker in front of the kids like this. All okay, right? okay, okay. Sean Abbott, 16, 16 wickets. Uh, Scott Boland, 14. Steckity, 13. Narine, 13. Hilfenhouse, 12. A middling tournament for him. He won some games and lost some games. And now we just got the semi-finals and finals ahead of us for that as well. But I have to say, I've, you know, the, you, when you consider the Big Bash started the, you know, on the 20th of December and we've mm-hmm. just reached the final stage now, it's been a month saturation for those 32 games. It has been a great experience. Again, this, the experience of living and breathing the BBL night to night um, through the television is one that I think isn't just a... A matter of it's not it's not an either or thing now. You don't like the BBL or follow the Australian mm-hmm. side. It's an all-consuming experience, and I think we've reached a point now where it's um, it's going to be almost unsustainable for the international calendar, or certainly the, the white ball international calendar, to run alongside the BBL. They're going to have to find a way of putting the one-day yeah. internationals in a different part of the calendar. Hopefully, the start after the Matador Cup, yeah. as it currently stands at the moment, that would be the most logical place to put them. Particularly if the ICC um, from 2019 moved to their 12 one-day internationals per year schedule. So. For those who haven't followed that, there's meant to be two divisions. Um, you play everyone in your own division uh, twice, uh, home and away, over the course of two years, or three years rather, which would mean teams wouldn't play yeah. more than 12 ODIs. Australia right. played 29 last year. So okay. if you take that amount out of the system... Well, then you're you going to ruin probably... David Warner's stats because he won't break all the 100th <laughs> records. But what you could do is so... you, you, could, you, could, you could enable a situation where the one-dayers can be, can be slotted in earlier, I think. Because they, they, kind of, they kind of wreck the BBL season, you know, to... Uh, quote the 1995 classic from Shampoo, uh-oh, we're in trouble, something's come along and it's, it's burst, burst our bubble. BBL. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, So yes, yes. don't just, you know, don't wreck it. They wrecked the Bash Brothers, you know, Chris Lynn was gone and McCullum got suspended, that got wrecked. Um, I, I like ODI cricket. Sometimes it, let's be honest, it's kind of crap, like the sort of tail end of the game last night when it was yep. already lost. But you still had the thrilling earlier part of that game, you know, that brilliant first innings and then the first half of the chase by Pakistan. Yeah, the ODR this is, cricket this is not, has, has its, has its benefits, but if you're running them, they're, they're at cross-purposes at the moment. They, yeah, they yeah. each detract from the other and they each make the other look worse and they each get in the way. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure the, the Bothans are onto it in the scheduling department, but uh, they've let a lot of things slide in and, the scheduling department for a while. you can definitely get away with it with the test matches. Like, my take is that having that yep. test, the test matches in Melbourne and Sydney running into the BBL, that works perfectly fine because the, 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 the crossover's minimal. Yep. Half and, the test players wouldn't even play Big Bash. Yeah, you know? and, and even those who do, like, they're not... The expectation isn't that they would play much of it to begin with because they're test players, yep. whereas the one-day players are directly trying to get into a white ball side. Yep. You know, the 2020 and the ODI sides aren't discreet enough yet to be either or. Like, basically, if you're a really good T20 player, you're probably in the one-day side, as we saw with Chris Lynn, for example, yeah, and, and Maxwell, or, Adam or, Zampa, you know, these are, you know, these are, and John right. Hastings and Scott Boland last year. Or the test players aren't necessarily... I mean, they're either... They're Warner or Smith, which means they're too good to be in the Big Bash team anyway and would never play, or they're not necessarily huge losses. Like, most teams are not going to say, oh, oh, no, Jackson Bird's out of our T20 side, or, you know, oh, what a terrible loss, Joe Burns isn't here, or... Um, those aren't really the sort of players who dominate in Big Bash cricket. Yeah, and I think the whole way, the way it can sequence across the summer is that you want to get people 
excited about test cricket. Use limited overs cricket for that purpose. And you, we, it used to happen all the time on Ashes series. Australia would go to England, they'd play their one days against England, and by the time you got to the first test, you were brimming for it. You really wanted it. Now, if that meant the test summer you know, shuffles back a wee bit uh, and we still have BBL running concurrent with test matches all the way through to the middle or late January, well, all the better. All the better, I say. Yep. Anyway, that's why that's what that that's our that's our two cents on scheduling. I'm sure it won't be the last time we're talking about it. But what we do have ahead, two semifinals and a final, and likewise with the women's big bash, we'll be with you next week to talk about that as well. This is the final word with Jeff Lemon and Adam Collins. ABC Grandstand. I kinda of think that's it, isn't it? Like that's cricket. We've done cricket. That's a whole week in cricket. If within the space of maybe an hour, I, my sense of time's not very good. A sense of, a 60 minutes, 724 topics. I think mm-hmm. you're right, Jeff. I think we're 360 done. degree view of the cricketing world. Always. Wouldn't want to have any, any other no. way with you, Jeff. Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon, we love bringing this podcast to you. We'll bring it back to you next week as well. I'll be in a different country, but we're going to find a way to make it work. We'll make it work. We're going to put it in a, a bottle, message in a bottle, and uh, send it across the seas. If it comes to that, we'll do it. It's going to be beautiful. Have fun.